Hello everyone you are listening to the podcast in conversation with IPR and competition law I'm Aditya Trivedi head of the competition law team of the podcast and your host Hello, Hello guys I'm Rishika Jain a senior, senior member, member of, of the, the competition, competition team and, and your co-host So let, let me introduce, introduce you about, about the podcast In, in this, this podcast, podcast we discuss competition, competition law updates and why competition lawyers and academicians as our guests. So today, let's welcome our esteemed guest for today's episode, Karina Martinez, Deputy Director General, Mexico Competition Authority. Thank you, Rishika. Welcome, ma'am. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. We are grateful to host you and looking forward to a good conversation on cartel investigations and leniency the mexican experience uh, to the audience let me introduce ma'am to all of you she is the deputy director general at the investigative authority of the mexican competition commission cofese a mexican qualified lawyer specialized in competition law her experience has been developed both in the private sector as well as in public service and she studied her llm that is masters in law specialized in competition law from the prestigious kings college london thank you so much we are grateful to have you and uh, let us start the conversation thank you thank you for having me for me it's an honor to participate with you uh, today so thank you and yes of course let's start Uh, sure so as we know as we understand that there has been a landmark amendment a constitutional amendment uh, in the co- competition policy of mexico in june 2013 which has changed the entire regime there what are your comments on it can we know the background yes of course um well I'm going to start with my point of view that totally I am convinced that it was a necessary amendment which empowered the, the enforcers. And of course, it was not perfect. And with the pass of the years, there are things that personally I would like to change. But it really marked a, a before and after in so many ways, starting with the nature of the competition authority who passed from being uh, dependent of the Ministry of Economy to be an autonomous body. and strength the investigative tools like downgrades no so the reforms really brought important improvements and have contributed to the success of Mexico's competition law regime and enforcement so let me start with some context uh, in Mexico the, the article 28 of Mexico's constitution um recognizes competition as a fundamental right So the Federal Economic Competition Act uh, adopted in 1992 regulated the operational aspects of Article 28 and created one of one competition authority which is uh, or which was in that in that time the Federal Economic uh, Competition Commission and at that time uh, it was subordinated to the Ministry of Commerce and Industry. So the constitution and its article 28 were significantly reformed in June of 2013 and a new law of federal economic uh, competition uh, was adopted in 2014 so as part of the 2013 constitutional reform 
a new federal law on telecommunications and broadcasting was also adopted. So this 2013 reform replaced the Mexican Competition Authority, the CFC, by two new authorities, the IFT, which is responsible for competition law, enforcement and exempt regulation, but just in telecommunications and broadcasting sectors uh, that the, 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 the prior COFECO had. And then we lost those, those, uh, those, those sectors to gave it to the IFT and then COFESE, no? The COFECO moved to, to be COFESE, which is the, the name that we have now. Uh, in charge and we are in charge of enforcing competition law in all sectors other than those covered by the IFT. Um, both COFESE and, and the IFT, uh, we are an independent investigation, we have an independent investigation authority, uh, we have a technical secretariat and basically we report, they report to the, to the board of commissioners And with the reform, it was conferred to COFESE and the IFT constitutional autonomy, which is, I think that it's the, the main, the main uh, difference. Uh, basically, competition authorities were entrusted with the, with the power to order the removal of barriers to competition, the divestment of assets, and to identify and regulate essential facilities Uh, if a market investigation justifies the measures and those are like uh, th these are known in Mexico as incremental powers and we didn't have them before so the, it, it was also also a huge difference and um, I mean this this um, the, 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 the secretariat can make requests to to the, the Ministry of Economy can make requests to to confess an IFT to open a market uh, examination under the article 94 no so basically those those were like the main the main changes uh, also we, we have the specialized courts uh, with nationwide jurisdiction that are like um, just focused in competition, telecommunications and broadcasting. And they were established here in Mexico City in August of 2013. So we started with two new district courts in charge of reviewing cases in first instance and two collegiate circuit courts for appeals. We This is also different because we used to, to litigate everything in the administrative courts. So now we have specialized uh, courts that, that really Are, are just focusing in, in competition. Um, I, I think that the, the scope and the effect of the administrative appeals used to contest competition decisions uh, that we call juicios de amparo, and uh, now they, they were reduced, no? like the, the reform provided that only final decisions adopted by the board and not intermediary acts uh, such as orders of authorizing a downgrade uh, could be contested in court. So the reform eliminated the suspensive effects of administrative appeals, except for those against competition authorities, uh, decisions on fines and structural remedies. So basically, um, we also, we of course, we have challenges uh, now, but this was definitely an improvement and, and The, uh, it it um, results in a more empowered authority that was able to conduct downgrades without uh, without notifying anything to 
take advantage of the surprise factors. Uh, our our sanctions were increased as well. So it was I think that it was a huge reform uh, that that really made some uh, very significant changes in the way that we approach to to competition policy nowadays. And and I mean if I can share with you some challenges that I that I believe that we still have even with with the reforms. Um, I think that it would be to maintain uh, the, the independence, no, because independence is essential to, to the rigorous enforcement and basically competition authorities, independence and autonomy uh, should be respected at all levels. No, and, and Mexico should make sure that the competition authorities can dispose freely of their budget. So that's one of our, our challenges now. Uh, also, I think that the allocation of cases between the, the two competition authorities because of the growth of the digital economy, because uh, with this, uh, the, there are some markets that it's not clear if COFESE has the powers to investigate it or the IFT with the telecommunications and broadcasting. So we, we have sometimes uh, this um uncertainty and complexity in relation to case allocation no so maybe we we should consider providing guidance on 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 the criteria for case allocation between both authorities those i think that are like the most uh, important challenges that we are facing now and uh, and yes i think that with that i can uh, very briefly <laughs> summarize uh, the main changes with the constitutional amendments of 2013 and what's been happening here. Thank you so much, ma'am, for sharing your, your insights. These were definitely some of the major amendments in the competition regime of Mexico. Now, moving on to the second question. We would like to know your comments on cartel investigations and usage of principles of natural justice in Mexico. Yeah, of course. Well, essentially, natural justice requires that a person receive a fair and unbiased hearing before a decision is made and that, that, that will negatively affect them. No? And that's what we try to do as prosecutors in the investigative authority, which I'm part of in the cartels division. Uh, we, we grant them those rights. And if we issue a statement of objections, they have the right to be heard when we start that phase of the procedure, no? So we are, we are aware that there are at least three main requirements of natural justice that must be met in every case, uh, like uh, adequate notice, fair hearing, and no bias. So these rules make uh, make it clear that our cases must be free from bias and, and should deliver pure and impartial analysis in order to, to win cases in court. So so we can allow judges to, to act judicially and decide the case without considering any anything else and any other than the, the, these principles, uh, uh, the, the principle of evidence. And that's what we focus on in our investigations. We are totally based, uh, or we investigate uh, regarding all the evidence that we can collect. And that's what we try to, to put and to make clear in our statement of objections. Thank you so much, ma'am, for commenting on the same, the principles of natural justice, law and order, 
and the administrative side of the cartels let us look all into the procedural side of it also so ma'am there are some questions related to it like is full immunity from administrative penalties available in your regime and what are the conditions that must be met for the immunity to be granted and also is there a sliding scale of available leniency from administrative penalties okay yes um i'm taking some some notes so i can i can i'm going to try to to answer those in in order so regarding if it's a full immunity uh, for from administrative penalties available basically yes no the the first applicant may receive a fine reduction to practically zero and then the subsequent applicants may receive a fine reduction up to 50 30 or 20% based on the order of the application so well subsequent companies or individuals who are not the first to apply may also receive significant reductions for the applicable fines and criminal immunity so if they provide obviously this is conditioned like if they provide additional evidence in their possession to 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 confess it So to determine the fine reduction, COFESE, uh, we will take into account the chronological order in which applications were received and the supporting evidence provided by each applicant. Um, it is important to, to mention that in all cases, there's no uh, criminal liability. And this uh, leniency program is regulated in the Article uh, 103 of the Federal Economic Competition Law. And basically, uh, we use the, the same system uh, that is international, internationally recognized uh, with markers. We have a marker system. So basically, they, that's, that's the way that we grant the, 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 the amount of the, of the immunity. Now, regarding the second part, uh, that what conditions must, must be met for immunity, I would say that it's basically cooperation, no? Um, If the, 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 the companies need to cooperate throughout the investigation with the investigative authority and the trial-like procedure before COFES's board of commissioners and undertakes all necessary um, takes the actions to, to no longer engage in the unlawful practice. Those are basically the, the, the requirements to not to lose the leniency We, we have like in two stages, no? You ask for, for immunity or for leniency in, the, in this marker system, then we gave you, if you fulfill of the information that in the investigative authority, uh, we believe in cartels that, that, you, that you already gave everything and that you are cooperating with us, we're gonna issue, well, the head of the investigative authority will issue uh, like a, um, immunity like a leniency leniency protection but it's not the defend the definitive why because we should the 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 first we grant your leniency but you need to be cooperating with the 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 second stage that is this kind of uh, like like the trial procedure and also with the board and it's just the the, the board is the one that is going to grant the definitive Uh, leniency, leniency or immunity uh, reduction, and, and that's the final. So we have this kind of two stages, and those are subject to the cooperation of the of the applicants. 
and uh, and basically if you met the requirements you will have it no like the 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 first one and the definitive so that's that's how the 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 it works and regarding if there's like sliding scale of available leniency uh, yes as i as i mentioned um the the article 103 of the of the federal law provides that companies or individuals who do not apply first in the program to apply may receive a fine reduction of as much as 50 30 or 20 percent of the maximum applicable fine and when additional evidentiary elements uh, to those in possession of the investigative authority are submitted during the course of the investigation and the other required requirements are met uh, they have it basically uh, that's how the the program works oh, that's really wonderful ma'am we would also like like to know that in what circumstances and at what stage of the proceedings can leniency be withdrawn also what are the implications does the lean withdrawal of leniency from one company have for other applicants okay so in what circumstances and what stage of proceedings um basically if they fail to cooperate with cofese that's the main thing like regarding their their obligations after a conditional leniency decision has been issued uh, they need to cooperate as i was mentioning before and we have guidelines for defining cooperation because sometimes uh, it was not clear apparently like uh, what is cooperation so cooperation implies that it's uh, we need a full and continuous cooperation during the investigation procedure during the uh, in, in this in this part the investigative authority carries out the actions it deems necessary to gain knowledge of the investigated market so the agents who participate in it and the probable existence of an absolute monopolistic practice uh, needs to be very clear so uh, some of the the actions and proceedings that the investigative sorry i don't know what was that but um some of the actions and proceedings that the investigative authority may carry out are unannounced inspections or compulsory interviews and compulsory requests for documents and information. So the applicants must uh, fully and permanently cooperate with the investigative authority throughout the investigation procedure. So basically, the, the applicant may be required to cooperate to terminate its participation in the absolute monopolistic practice, which uh, in Mexico, those are the cartels, uh, to maintain the confidentiality of the, the information provided of uh, to COFESE and to uh, expeditiously furnish all the information and documents requested by COFESE during the investigation. Uh, this means to cooperate in the proceedings conducted by the investigative authority. So if they, if they do all of this, they will grant it. If they don't do this, they will lose they will lose the benefit, um, and the implications. Uh, for example, if if someone, um, if one or more individuals who participated in the reported uh, cartel, uh, and the the benefits were extended and fails to cooperate, those individuals will be excluded for the from the program benefits. 
uh, but the, the applicant as well as the rest of the individuals to whom be the benefits were extended and who remain fully cooperative, it will not be excluded. So we, we make this differentiation because sometimes you have a group of people asking for leniency and, and someone decides to not to cooperate and that person will lose the benefits, but that doesn't imply that, that we will exclude the, the rest of them. So they, 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 they are not ex excluded and they will remain with the with the protection of the of the program thank you so much for telling us about the procedural aspects just adding some points or say inputs from the indian point of view so we also have leniency provisions the lesser penalty provisions we have a separate regulation for it and then there are parties with respect to first come first serve like the party who who applied for leniency first would get 100% reduction in the penalty. The second party would get around 75% and 50%, 30%. This is the kind of proportionate uh, lesser yes. penalty that is allowed. And it's a very interesting thing that the party should cooperate with the commission till the end of the investigation. And secondly, the party should add value to the evidence that CCI has, or the commission has not yet collected. It should add value. It should it should be a full and true disclosure. It should not just be a name place, name namesake disclosure that uh, we were involved in cartel and we are surrendering. But it should be a true and full disclosure. And I hope that the same principles are there in other parts of the world, including Mexico, and also provisions related to false evidence and disclosure if disclosure made is not vital then the leniency can be cancelled uh, you may comment on it if you have same provisions i also want to know the scope of leniency protection after it has been granted how the parties are protected how does that work yeah well well when the board of commissioners issues the final resolution it will also will determine if the benefits granted conditionally will become final so this decision is based on the conditional leniency decision and the applicant's cooperation through the investigation procedure and the trial-like procedure. Yes. No? So if you have a immunity or, or this kind of, of protection, you will have a total or partial reduction of the applicable fines for engaging in, participating in or contributing to an absolute monopolistic practice, which is the cartels. And you also will have immunity to individuals from receiving disqualification orders for, participate, for participating in an absolute monopolistic practice and also criminal immunity to individuals for engaging in an absolute monopolistic practice. No? So uh, basically you have this kind of three, three immunities if you, if you cooperate with us, that's, that's like the scope. Okay, Rishika, do you want to ask about the criminal liability? Yes, yes. So, ma'am, we would further like to know that is criminal liability implicated on cartel offenders? And if yes, what is the provision? If no, what is the principle involved? Yeah, well, we, we have, yes, we have criminal sanctions. And they apply to all types of cartel offenses established in our Article 53 of the law, and they are only applicable to individuals. Uh, this provision it, it is um, in the Article 254 B of the Criminal Code, so we have it established like that. 
that there will be no criminal liability for those economic agents granted with the benefits provided in the Article 103 of the of the Economic uh, Competition Law, which is the, the the leniency program. So this the the sanctions, the criminal sanctions were introduced in 2011, when the amendments were made to the Federal Criminal Code. Uh, this was ranging from three to ten years of imprisonment for those individuals involved in cartel activity. The, the law, the, the Federal Economic Competition Law, was amended in that same year to include the exception on criminal liability to those economic agents who, are, who were granted the benefit of the Commission's leniency and immunity program, uh, increasing incentives to join it. That, that was the reason. And then in 2013, with the constitutional amendment that we were, we were speaking before, um, the, the, this constitutional reform on economic competition and the new, the new law of 2014 were enacted. And then it was in accordance with the new provisions. The federal criminal code was amended to increase criminal liability and increasing years of imprisonment. So now the, we're ranging from five to 10 years and adding fines ranging from approximately uh, 4,001, almost 4,200 uh, to 41,000, almost $42,000 uh, for those individuals that ordered, executed, or carried out cartel activities. So the criminal, the Federal Criminal Code also provides that those that either directly or indirectly or totally or partially alter or destroy documents or electronic information with the purpose of hindering or interfering with confessors investigations or administrative proceedings can be also subject to criminal sanctions that range from one to three years of prison. Those are the provisions that we have uh, regarding criminal, criminal, uh, criminal law. Thank you so much for enlightening us with a criminal law perspective. In India, we still do not have criminal sanctions or criminal liability. In some countries, I understand that, including Mexico, we have criminal liability. So uh, again, I would like to ask that, what do you think, uh, and this is a more of a substantive question or uh, an opinion-based question, since you're a competition lawyer, competition professional, what do you think of the leniency regime from a competition policy perspective? I think that it's uh, it's crucial for cooperation, you know, like when you analyze competition uh, policy, policy, sorry, um, you need to design and, and, and to follow the, the best international practices. And it's, it's definitely like the way uh, to maintain a balance with this famous carrot and the stick uh, incentives uh, that that we have like you 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 need at the end some allies to investigate cartel seals very difficult because of the nature of them so you will it's very difficult to have direct evidence and it is not easy even when you have powers like to conduct down raids or to to be with unannounced um visits and to gather information and to have forensic uh, tools that allows you to search in computers, cell phones, or, or whatever digital uh, digital thing that you can gather. Even with that, it is very difficult to, to gather all the evidence that you need to prove a cartel. 
So it's not impossible. Otherwise, we'd, we, I, I wouldn't have a job, you know. But it is really um, helpful to have some allies. And for having some allies to cooperate with you as an authority, you need to give something. And in, in those terms, the, the leniency programs were designed to have uh, this benefit of you're putting, you, you, I mean, as an, as an authority, I understand that people that, that go comes with us to, to ask for leniency in countries like, like Mexico, which, uh, which is sometimes very unsafe. And, and some markets are very, very dangerous. It is a risk to come with us and to say, you know, I know who did it, how he, he did it, and, and I also did it, you know? So at least you have to grant them with some, with some incentives. And that is the, the, to not to have criminal consequences and to reduce the, the amount of the administrative fines. And, and, and at least you, you, can, you can do that in order to, to fix a market because that's the main purpose of, of the competition the competition law you know like to to maintain the playing field the the like a, to allow everybody to 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 can enter or go uh, in in a market so if in in order to to help to to clean or to fix a market if you need to to cooperate with economic agents i see that it's totally totally allowed and and not also allowed it but necessary so it's very very important and my recommendation to all the authorities that doesn't have a leniency program would be like take it into account and work with the best uh, you have the oecd always giving advices you can go directly with mous uh, to work with different uh, institutions and that's why international cooperation is so important so it, it depends uh, obviously it, the, the, you can choose what kind of what kind of uh, program leniency program you might design some uh, some of them they have a, a, a special a special uh, um, how do I say it like special regulations for a ringleader or not or if you're gonna have it for subsequent or uh, solicitants or not but it is very necessary to have it in order to really enforce and to really detect in an effective way cartels. So I think that it's crucial. That's, that's very insightful, ma'am. Now moving further with our last question. We would, this question is more on a practical level. So as we all know that law interacts with economics and cartels are the malicious offenses which are criticized globally. So what is your take on competition compliance programs and how can regulators do advocacy programs to make industry competition law compliant? I think, I mean, in, in Mexico we have uh, the cartels are, are per se, no? We sanction uh, a, a per se these kind of, of offenses. And I believe that uh, competition compliance programs are, are necessary uh, to really enforce and to to help the authorities to really enforce uh, law uh, it's more i see the way i see it is more like a teamwork you you need the industries to to have advocacy programs and to have comp uh, compliance programs so you can prevent and detect efficiently uh, to prevent that, that a cartel can can happen and also if, if it happened to detect it in in an effective way so compliance with 
competition law makes good business since uh, competition you know like uh, it, it, it create a, a level playing field so the innovative and competitive markets can develop uh, competition law compliance uh, is about doing the right thing and that's what we that we want to do uh, that, that for in, in my personal opinion as an as an enforcer that's what what we want them to do you know to to get things uh fair in the marketplace so it is important to to spread the news to everybody that doesn't know anything about competition law that if you get in in in, in wrong conduct you can ha have fines that can be up to 10% of your business worldwide turnover for a single infringement you know so it is very important to 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 know and to to make the the, the industries and the different markets know that if they if they um, they've been affected by illegal practices as well, they can actually announce it to an authority that can actually do something. No, so compliance helps to prevent and mitigate the exposure and puts you ahead uh, of the game. If you are an economic agent, you you can you can have the benefit of of fight others that are not playing by the rules. No, so I I, I believe that. It is, it is important to have a, a very complete uh, and there are a lot of recommendations like uh, with the ICC and the OECD, you know, like the, the famous five steps no, of detecting and, and designing a good compliance program uh, so you can actually uh, understand how to monitor your, your, your companies and basically commitment, no, identify the, right, the risk profile um, mitigate your risks, uh, review how you're doing, no? decide what you can check or, or and, and to, to see that everybody is actually complying with the law and, and basically renew your commitment to do the right thing. So compliance becomes part of the way that companies does business and reflects uh, how, how you are uh, evolving the, the risk profile. So basically, basically compliance programs can be helpful uh, and complement the public enforcement activity. So, uh, if you if you are, if ideally prevent competition law violations, that's why we really like them, and we give training. So, in that in in that sense, with uh, with the advocacy that we have, uh, we actually try to make uh, at Cofese to give free trainings to everybody that wants to start designing or implementing a compliance program, and we try to give them like what would be a, a, a complete compliance program, what do you need? And, and we try to, to make this as part of our ex-ante ex -ante policy, no? Uh, so basically we try to, to uh, incorporate uh, and to invite all the, all the markets, at least here in Mexico, to have this information available. And if they have any doubt, they can always come to us uh, before they commit uh, an unlawful, unlawful conduct, and even if they commit it, well, then you have leniency, you know. But that's that's uh, my 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 point of view regarding compliance, which is also beneficial and totally recommended. Thank you so much for your insights on the competition compliance programs. And the last two questions were related to more policy perspective or say uh, the compliance perspective, which is. 
like in uh, like it is a kind of an ex ante approach if i would say and the, a lot of regulators including european commission including oecd countries including like in in india we have considered in consideration ex ante regulations we recently formed a committee to form a digital competition law as uh, to regulate digital markets and also some provisions uh, are related to ex ante approach let us see how the world reacts to accentai approach or other new trends in competition law we have a lot of new aspects in the law as well so it was great having you in interacting on cartels because cartels are as old as competition law i believe maybe even older and uh, but they were not regulated earlier but today in the modern age they are regulated and parties also understand that they are pernicious to the industry pernicious to the price fixing pernicious to the economics and uh, a level playing field should be allowed allocated and also in favor of allocative in efficiency the dynamic efficiency in market so thank you so much for your time your insights and a wonderful conversation it was great having you and would like to discuss more on such topics in future in our future episodes thank you so much now thank you thank you uh, guys really this was an an amazing experience and and thank you for doing this it it will be really really helpful for all the people that that it's interested in competition issues and happy happy to collaborate with you and i hope to collaborate again in the future so thank you so much thank you so much ma'am thank you okay bye bye bye